Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Help me, Lord, to speak not plausible words of human wisdom, but words given by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask a strange question of you before I start this morning, and that is, would you ask the Lord before I preach to have authority over your mind? You okay with that? You okay with relinquishing authority to, to the Lord? So, Father, I pray right now that we would give you authority over our minds, that what you want us to think, we think. What you want us to hear, we would hear. Whatever Dan has to say is not about Dan. <laughs> It's about what you would want to speak through your word today so that our hearts might be changed, our lives might be filled, and we might be sent forth with joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I find more and more that authority is the biggest contention that we have in our lives. It's the biggest contention that we have in our lives. And I, I, I say that as somebody who <clears throat> has a problem with authority. Uh, I, I had a very uh, passive father growing up, and uh, he would not say anything. He wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't know what he was thinking. But when he said these words, it always crushed my spirit. Oh, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. It, it was one of those things where it was a, a sort of a passive-aggressive kind of deal, and the disappointment was there was no reconciling that. We couldn't talk about it. He didn't talk about those things until here is one of those moments but god when god got a hold of my dad's heart this this crumbled broken self-controlled uh distant passive man became a very active tender loving communicative person it was impossible in my mind to imagine that because i don't know the old guy anymore but now I, I had seen and watched his life transform. And it's because he learned to stay focused on the right things so that he wasn't focused on the minuscule anymore because he was more worried about how he looked or how I looked or whether I measured up or whether he measured up. It was all measurements. And when he had Christ in focus, all of those things measured against Christ and to Christ he was realizing that he was a child of the Most High. He was beloved by the Father of the universe, that all things were okay when we had him in view. We get distracted easily. I thought about this as I was thinking about this sermon this morning and driving home yesterday from Maryland. I, I got a week with the kids uh, on the Chesapeake, and it was wonderful. Uh, I got my sponge filled of dad time. And I'm, as I'm driving the six and a half, seven hour trip from Maryland, I'm thinking, gosh, that looks really beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Have you ever done that where you're driving along and you catch something and you just want to watch it for a little bit and realize you're in the other lane <laughs> and praying that there's nobody else in the other lane? Um, we get distracted easily. There are things that come along and, and vie for our attention and we have to be able to keep our eyes focused and in order to be able to steer straight. Now, I know you know this uh, day in history, so um, I'm just going to give you a year and say, wasn't that a great year? 1493, 
Don't you remember 1493? Nod your heads. No, you don't know 1493. But in 1493, the troops of Mahomet II surrounded Constantinople. And it would be decided at that time whether the Balkans would be under Christian or Islamic dominion. You remember that in history, right? No, you don't remember that in history. And the local church council uh, was getting together in this besieged city to discuss the following problems, okay? They're trying to decide whether the hordes that are out there about to take over the city are going to turn this city into a Muslim or Christian city. And this is what the church was arguing about on this day. What color were the eyes of the Holy Virgin? What sex were the angels? What happens if a fly falls into sanctified water? Is the fly sanctified or is the water polluted? Now, I, I, I share it with you because that's not a joke. That's history. And yet, that's sometimes how distracted we get in our faith. We're so worried about whether the altar hangings are right or whether this, and those are all good things. We, we do this so it's not a distraction to that. We prepare the space. We pray over the space. We give authority to God so that we're not distracted from anything else but being focused on what he wants us to do. So we hear today in the Old Testament lesson of, of a story that we all love to reenact and we have since we were kids of Jonah and the whale. And we always have been told, or at least I remember being told, that this was a, a story of Jonah's repentance and a turning of his faith. But as you look at it and you think about it, historically it was written at a time that was after the event already had happened. Jonah wrote about this to us, for us, after it had already happened. And so this wasn't so much an immediate prayer at the time, but it was a psalm of thanksgiving. It was a story told to say, isn't the Lord incredible? I mean, we just heard that he was puked onto a beach this morning. Isn't the Lord incredible? I mean, that's totally visual and gross, I know. But isn't the Lord incredible to take a whale, to swallow him up, to, to help him in his dire moments, take him down to the pit. It's, it's Psalm 40 illustrated, really. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inquired and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit, out of the belly of a whale, out of the miry clay, and I will sing a new song. So today we hear the song of Jonah as he's in the midst of the fish. And the Lord answers his prayer. And the Lord listen to his cry. See, he had been, earlier in the passage, he'd been thrown into the deep. Why? Do you remember? Because the storm was going to swallow up this ship, and, and those who were on the ship said, we've, we've done everything we can to our gods. It must be his God. He must have done something wrong, and sure enough, he had. He had disobeyed the Lord and was running. So when they threw him off the ship, the sea is calm. Well, it wasn't calm for Jonah, right? He's in the middle of the ocean. I don't know if you've ever sailed in the middle of the ocean where you don't see any land or any possibility of somebody coming to save you because certainly those on the ship were not going to save him at that time, right? 
Well, here was this whale. And you get swallowed by a whale. You get swallowed by your uh, parents' expectations of your lives, right? You get swallowed by your lack of economy and the debt load that we carry. You get swallowed by the car that needs to be repaired that you can't afford to repair, but you can't afford not to have a car. You get swallowed by the stuff of life so deep and so final that you think it is all over. But God. He comes in and he changed the story. He, he transforms our circumstances. And here's Jonah brought into the waves in the deep. And he says to the Lord, I will look again upon your holy temple. He proclaims a word of faith saying, I know that I'll be standing before your throne room, whether <laughs> I get taken to the deep and die in your holy throne room in heaven or whether on earth. And he knows afterward, as he's writing this, that he gets to stand before his physical holy temple as the waters threaten and he's, he sank to the foot of the mountains. You see, Jonah had offer, offered a sacrifice at that moment. And the sacrifice was a sacrifice of praise. When you're at the pit, at the bottom, at the empty, when you're, th when you're done, have you ever this week, <laughs> this morning maybe, said, Lord, I'm done. I'm done fighting this issue. I'm done fighting this person. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. What the Lord wants you to do is finally be done. Hand it over. All my problems I send to the cross of Christ. Be done. Jonah was done. And he offered a sacrifice of praise to the true God. Uh, and there he vowed, there he recognized that salvation, his being saved, can only come from the Lord. Why is it that we think that we can save ourselves? Why is it that we think if we just had enough strength with bootstrap religion that we can fix it? We can have a program or a person or a thing or a priest or a counselor or a shrink fix our issue. And the real issue is a surrender to authority. The real issue is letting go and trusting God to move. Yes, I screwed it up again, Lord. Again. Why would you want anything to do with me? And then I hear him remind me. Because I made you. You were beautifully and wonderfully created. You see, in this picture, this illustration, we hear... The, the reality of Jonah being delivered, but it's not so much about the deliverance, it's more about Jonah's final surrender to what he really needed to do was give a sacrifice of praise. So here's your pastor, I'm telling you, right now in the thick of anything that's going on in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, be people of praise. Praise him when you rise in the morning. Praise him as you're getting ready in the morning. I mean, so many times I look in the mirror in the morning and go, oh, good God morning. I know I'm supposed to say, good morning, God, but I say, good God morning. And here we are uh, 
reminded again and again as we praise him, our focus stays right on the road, right where we're supposed to be. So we're not distracted. Yes, all of that is beautiful, but when we have a focus on the Lord, all of a sudden our periphery comes into view because he's placed those things there. Well, to me, it's more than that, and the more would come after this story is over, right? Because now Jonah's going to have to do something about that faith that he has. Jonah's going to have to go speak to those people who he knows are opposed to what he has to say and the correction that needs to come. And as a prophet, it's not an easy thing to bring a word that is unpopular. But let me tell you, when it's with the Lord, people will thank you. There's an ongoing joke in my family that dad always knows how to bring the good news, the bad news, I mean, and be thanked for it. Because I never try to say anything to anybody outside of, in, in the mode of correction, direction, or rebuke, outside of the mode of having Jesus be present with me in that moment. How do I say this? Give me the words. This is uncomfortable for me. I'd rather be in a boat going somewhere else, please. And yet, the Lord shows up and he gives me the right words at the right time so that at the end of the conversation, there is a, wow, thank you. Thank you for telling me this. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for helping me to be free to stay focused on the right things. Now I know where to begin again. Jesus is with his disciples, and so if you remember the story from last week, he just, he just comes off of really bad news. His family member, his prophetic voice in the wilderness, has just had his head cut off. How do you, how do you process that? You are one with the God of the universe, and yet the people of the world that you've created have taken life and death into their own hands and brought about destruction. It aches your heart. And yet you know that neither life nor death nor powers nor principalities, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so the reality in his mind is this earthly, fleshly grief with a sense that he's got covering over all things so jesus tells his disciples to go on ahead he's 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 gonna go off and he's gonna pray and uh lo and behold uh they get to the other side and he can't pray because what's gonna happen he's got to feed five thousand <laughs> time to do some ministry we're tired and we don't want to do ministry right but when we're focused on the lord we don't necessarily think first about the sleep. We think more about what God wants to do, and he will bring us refreshment. He'll bring us those things that we need. So the disciples go off, and in the fourth hour of the night, uh, which is typical when you think about the hours of the night, this is the hour just before the dawn. Ever heard the phrase, it is darkest just before the dawn. Night comes on very slowly, and if you have spent any time just sort of lingering in the late afternoon, evening, you, you adjust. 
your eyes adjust, your head adjusts, you, your mind adjusts to the various forms of light. But if you are in a place where there's no artificial light and there's very little heavenly light, then you get to a place of absolute darkness. And spiritually, we allow that to happen. It just comes on slowly like the night. And we get to the darkest hour just before the dawn. And Jesus walks out and the storm is on. And they're afraid. And they're afraid because, uh, you know, they think they've seen a ghost. And he says some interesting words to them. He says, take courage. Take courage. This is what the Greek originally means. Take courage. It, the translation then says, it is I. You know me. <laughs> Don't be afraid. You know me. But truthfully, in the Greek, it says, take courage, I am. Take courage, I am. Take courage that the one who is the ground of all being, the, the blessing of all blessings, the person who created you, the one who speaks to the wind and the waves, I am, is here. When Christ is our focus, when he's our grounding, when he's the thing that centers us, when we have that focus, all the periphery comes into view. Storm schmorm. God's got me. Wind waves, I don't care. 5,000 people make it 10,000. It probably was 10,000. Because at, the, at that point in time, you know, they were counting men mostly, but you think about the families that were there and the secondary people that were there. He fed them all. Even for Jesus, this moment in time came out of extreme focus because he had just gotten away for some time to pray, to be by himself. So he gets to the boat <laughs> and he says, take courage. I am. Do not fear. It's interesting. In us, the fear comes first, right? The first thing that we are concerned with, they were afraid. They, they saw the, the Jesus, this ghostly person they don't know, they don't recognize, and they were afraid. The first thing that paralyzes us is the opposite end of what the Lord wants to deal with. Take courage. We heard it this morning. We heard a word that, that said, get up, get moving, take courage, because God wants to do something, and he's going to do it through you. You can do this. Why? Because I am. I am the one who grounds you, who gifts you, who gives you the ability to move forward, so you don't have to be afraid. The, the fear part is like, but when we're on the water, and we're you know, we're dealing with the flesh. The fear part is the first thing in our faces. But when Jesus approaches us and he says, take courage, stand with me. And so Peter, what does he say? Lord, if it's really you, you'll ask me to come to you and I'll come to you on the water, right? And Peter gets out there. I need to put a new spin on this story for you because I think sometimes we we sort of rebuke Peter and say that he wasn't a good guy because he was afraid and, you know, he, he just lost his footing, but he lost his focus. 
And what the Lord is just saying to him is like, don't doubt, Peter, you, I'm so disappointed. No. He says to him, Peter, (laughs) I love you. You are courageous, and you know that I am. I am the creator of all things. I make all things exist. Water can be like dry land. You can be able to trust me in this. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Because just two seconds ago, you were standing on water. Don't doubt. Just two seconds ago, you trusted me to say, if it's really you, call me out on the water. And he says, come. And you walked. Don't doubt. I um, am aware that there sometimes we get confused between the real and the genuine in our lives. And we just have to stop worrying about whether or not we have the ability to see it always the right way, but God has the ability to reveal it to us in the proper way. Romans 12 says, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind so that you might be able to discern the pure, perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to the world. Be shaped by God. Be molded into him so that you might see and discern the will of God. I heard a story once of a, a, of a uh, jewelry store being robbed. And instead of the robbery going in and taking all of the jewels, the, the jewel thief went in and changed all of the tags. And so the cheap costume jewelry was being sold for thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, And the expensive stuff was tagged really cheap. (laughs) And I think sometimes that's what we we do. We get distracted by trinkets and things, and we we, uh, allow ourselves to be fooled to pay huge amounts of our life and our money toward buying things that have no value. And the enemy's back there sort of just changing the tags on us. So we stay confused. And when we see the pearl of great price, we're willing, because of what the Lord's revealed in it, to sell everything and put our lives on the line. For us, the pearl of grace, great price is Jesus. We have to submit it all to him. He gives it back as we need it. He gives it back in abundance when we need it but he asks us to stay focused on him so that when we stay focused on Jesus, the things in our periphery come into play. In 1493, do you think if their focus was solely on Jesus, they would be worried about what color Mary's eyes were? This wouldn't matter. Do you think they would be worried about the flies or the water? They should be more worried about the blessing they received from the one who gave us the water as a symbol of blessing and cleansing. Today, as we hear from God's word, I pray that you, along with uh, the psalmist, will sing God's praises. Today, Psalm 29 just has this beautiful picture to, to paint for us. Ascribe to the Lord... O you mighty, ascribe to the Lord worship and strength. 
Give the Lord the honor due unto his name. Worship the Lord with holy worship. It is the Lord that commands the waters, and the, it is gl the glorious God that makes the thunder. It is the Lord that rules the sea. And he goes on to, to just give us this picture of God's strength. He has the ability to smash the cedars of Lebanon. Have you all been to the sequoias in California? I mean, the trees are just massive. You can drive through them. Some of them are, ha have hollows in them that you can actually drive a car through. And the Lord has the strength to smash them. A God who has the ability to do such things, why would he worry over me? Because you're precious in his sight. He is worthy of praise because he cares for the details in your life. He wants for you to get to a place, whether he has to take you in the pit of a whale down to the depth of the earth, or whether it's just simply a, a word that says, wake up, take courage, stand up, because I am. There's no fear. Because Jesus is, there is no fear. Because of what he did, for us there is no fear so today whatever it is that you need to lay down whatever it is that you need to have transformed however the you need the lord to move in power uh, whether it's through a surgeon's hands or th whether it's through your finances trust him trust him to step out on the water trust him to be able to hear him move and sometimes allow for him to say wait his timing is perfect his deeds are majestic beyond our understanding our ability to see and discern they just saw it happen in the story right they saw a few fish and a few loaves of bread become enough to feed thousands i know that you've seen miracles in your life like Jonah, may we be a people who look back on it and write a psalm of thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that you met me in the depths and you brought me back so that I could do the work that you've called me to do. Now, St. Luke's, let's go do it. Amen? Amen. Amen.